So just talking on the theme of what's happened this weekend with uh, church planting, evangelism, pioneering, going into the nations and the test me brought back from the Great Lakes area. Um, yes, I want to continue with that and just bring something with you to you, which I think will change you not only right now for this hour and the next session that we have, but also it'll change a perspective how you read the Bible from here on. Why is this gospel so powerful? Why is it that when the Lord says he sent his word and healed them? And I know it's talking about the nation of Israel coming out of bondage, sending his word to heal them. Not one person in that whole nation of Israel, when they left Egypt, there was not one person sick among them. Not one lame, not one blind, not anyone with any defect or effect, everyone was healed. And especially when they've been working in mud and preparing bricks for building uh, someone else's nation as a slave trade, you get hurt, you get rashes, you break bones, you um, sprain ankles, you do all kinds of things. But that day that they left that nation, there was not one feeble among them. So you have this thing. Has a nation... Been healed in one day. Yes. History, it's written, it has been shown. Can a nation live totally healed and move on into what God wants? Yes, it has happened. Is God interested in nations? 100% he is. And so it's, for me, it's been a great challenge of saying, gosh, I wish we could see nations totally change, like Zimbabwe totally healed. Up there in the DRC, we're a richest nation in Africa with minerally everything else, yet they're living in such... Can that be healed? Yes. There's only one answer, and that is through the gospel. We, we have dumbed down. We have tuned down. We've reduced the volume of the power of this message. So I want to bring to you the power of this message. So if you'd come with me to Isaiah 61. We want to start there. And you may turn to Luke 4.18. It's exactly the same scripture, but there is. A difference, a big difference. It says in the King James Version, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of God and to comfort all that mourn. I want you to see there are two words there. In fact, let's just go to the beginning. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because. I often tell people, if you want the anointing of God on you, there's got to be a because for you to do something. Most of us say, oh God, would you anoint me? Would you empower me? Would you bless me? And he says, sure, I am. I'm going to. But here it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because. And yes, there's, he's anointed you. And there's that little word, T-O, to. To do what? To do this. To proclaim the liberty. To send to open broken hearted. And so if you want the anointing on your life. To see the power of God on your life. The best way to do it is to see. To, is to start exercising. And demonstrating the spirit of God on other people. By setting them free. I want you to see two words here. In Isaiah 61. To proclaim liberty to the captives. The first word is captives. And freedom to the prisoner, second word prisoner, captives and prisoners. That's why the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus. He was to liberate both of them. 
both captives and prisoners. Now, captives and prisoners are very different situations. Prisoner. What is a prisoner? A prisoner is someone who's been caught, guilty, condemned, judged, sentenced, imprisoned. Guess what? Someone who's in prison is a prisoner. He's in a cell. There's no way out until he's done his full time. The other person is a captive. In other words, he's innocent. She's innocent. Been going along the way of life and they've been ambushed. They've been hijacked. They've been captive. They're innocent, but they've been captive. They've been brought into a situation that they were not expecting. They're not condemned. They're not judged. They're not under a sentence, but they're in a condition that is not good for them. Now, Jesus came to set both those people free. Now, who's the prisoner? The prisoner is the one who is dead in trespasses and sins. You're imprisoned by unbelief. You're imprisoned by the devil. He's imprisoned you. He's kept the sinners bound. They're in prison because they don't know. They don't have unbelief. They haven't met the liberator, Jesus, who gave us life for us, who paid the debt and said, you're free. The prison doors open. Come into the freedom and the liberty of salvation and eternal life. He says, I know what you've done. I know your sentence that you've been condemned with. And, there, and, and, and I'm taking that upon me. And I'm giving you my righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin. That we might become the righteousness of Christ Jesus. And so there is that transfer, the atonement. I take your, your condemnation. I'm taking your punishment. But I'm giving you my robe of righteousness. You can have my freedom. I'm becoming and taking your your sentence and your condemnation. Now that's a message. That's part of the message of the gospel. The one who's captive is that you may be uh, part of on the way to prison, or you can be a Christian or non-Christian, but stuff happens to you. Let's face it, things happen to us in life. We, we're kind of doing our things and suddenly this happens. We, we long and then you get a storm and get our house washed away. Stuff happens. And so we're captivated by what? Loss of finance, loss of assets, and we in a situation doing life, and things happen. But here along, Jesus comes and says, I come to set the captive free. Captive, what? Sickness, oppression, things that happen to you. And so this is there in the world. Considered all joy when, not if, when you encounter trials or testings. Knowing it's the testing of your faith. So the thing that's under test is your faith in God. It's most times we will turn around when we hurt us, turn around and condemn and judge. Guess what? You end up back and being captivated by, un, by unforgiveness. It doesn't set you free. And so these two things are there. Now, Luke 4.18 is a little different. Because here it says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. Exactly the same up to that point as what we read in Isaiah. The next verse is totally different. And the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised, to preach the what has happened between Isaiah 61 and Luke 4.18 is one verse. And this one verse is, instead of opening the prison doors or setting the prisoners free, he says to open the eyes of the blind, that you may see truth. So Jesus came, and the way that prisoners are set free, the way the unsaved are set free, is they have their eyes opened. That's why we sing that song, open the eyes of my heart. 
that I may see you, Lord. How do, what does that mean? That's talking about revelation. The Word of God has got to come to us in revelation. The Word is a seed. The, the seedbed is the heart of man, not the brain or the academics of man. When you, put the, when you try and reason out the Word of God in your head, you get a thing called religion. You get a thing called information. And you know what? Information that starts when your kids are about three or four or five. They go to preschool. They're getting information. We are trained in education. But the kingdom of God is revelation. And faith is revelation. For we do not look at the things that are seen. That's education. But the look at the things that are unseen. That's revelation. For the things that are seen. That's education. Temporary. Are not eternal. But the things that are unseen are eternal. That's revelation. And so the kingdom of God is about eternity. But the world teaches us to live in the present right now. And we rule and run our lives and our emotions run up and down by what we see now. I tell you what, 60, 70 years of life on this planet is all. That's the time span that every average person has on earth. What's that to eternity? Alpha and Omega. That doesn't meet in Australia. It doesn't go around. It's a straight line. And that straight line of eternity is a pinhead of 70 years that you're living on earth. And that pinhead, that little dot of measuring time, if you want to, there is no time outside of our 24 hours. Outside of earth, there's no time because God is. He's the same yesterday. He doesn't measure time. He's always the same. And, and there's that question in the God of Edom. Adam, where are you? Why are you hiding from me? That's the eternal question to the world is where is Adam Adam and Eve became Adam, one flesh. Where are you with me? And that's the question. Where are we with God? It's not as where God with us. No. Where are we with God? He came first. We came second. He's the creator. We are the created. And so where are we with him? So church is not just a meeting on a Sunday. It's an encouragement of what happens during the week. This is not everything about God. It's what you live during the week. It's how you live. Do you live a prisoner, do you live a captive, or do you live a liberated person where there's true freedom? So where in the Bible does it show us that there is people that walk in absolute freedom? And so I want to give you here in this session, um, if you'd come with me to Mark 8.22. How did Jesus, Jesus went around the whole time opening this door for people to be at freedom. And he encountered people who are either prisoners or captive, and he changed them. He changed their situation. So how do we live a free, wonderful life? It's, it's by understanding what Jesus has done for us. But here in Mark 8.22 is a beautiful story in about five or six verses. It says, And they came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to Jesus and begged him to touch him. Now it's amazing that people in that town knew exactly how Jesus operated. They'd heard the testimony that Jesus came to this town, Bethsaida, he was on his way somewhere, and they said, hey, hey, Jesus, can you just touch this person? He's blind. Now, I know this is a, a natural blindness, but there's something in this scripture that tells us that he opens the eyes of the blind, Luke 4, 18. So what happens? And taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village, and after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? Now, I know we, I've never spat on anyone's eyes, not unless Jesus tells you to. A hygienic thing today is not the best thing to go around spitting on 
people's eyes. There's the church of the first spitting. You know, that doesn't happen. And so, so Jesus took him by the hand. That's the key. And this is the thing. Come, my friend. He takes the blind man by the hand. He takes him out of the village. Guess what? When you're holding the hand of Jesus, you're going to be led. You're willing to follow. So if you want to be changed by God, follow him. He's going to grab you by the hand and he's going to say, follow me. That's what he's always said from the first disciples. He's absolutely blind. He can't see where he's going. But guess what? He doesn't know where he's going, but what is he doing? He's listening to the voice of Jesus. How does faith come? Exactly. So what is he doing? He's saying, come on, let's walk. Let me teach you a bit of faith. Come, follow me. It's okay. There's a good road here. And you're about to leave the village that you used to live in. And if you're a blind man, if you're a blind man, you know exactly where you're walking. You know that sound, that how many steps to there. You turn left, then you walk there. You've got it worked out in your head. In other words, you're a prisoner in your brain. You're locked up. You can't see. You're, a, you, you, you're not free. You may be living. You may be breathing. But man, you've got no life to look forward to. And I'm telling you, people live like that. We've come across some that have lived in Peter Marisburg, 30, 40 years old. They've never left the town. So come with us on a mission trip to Mozambique. <laughs> Mozambique, I'm terrified. You're crossing a border. I said, yeah, absolutely. Come on, live. Ah, okay, show me. And I led them by the hand out there and they saw something different. They come back and it totally changed. So here you are. He takes him. He says, follow me. Okay, there's a stone here. Step over that stone. So by faith, he believes. He can't see the stone, but he hears the word and obeys. Now that's exactly what the Bible's all about, isn't it? You can't see, but you believe. You don't walk by sight, you walk by faith. And a whole walk with God is walking by faith. And this is Jesus teaching this guy. Okay, we're going to go into the forest. Can you feel, hear the trees? Yeah, I can hear the trees. Well, come with me. He says, okay, I'm going to spit on your eyes. And he does that, smears it all over. And he lays hands on him, takes his hands off. Do you see anything? He looks around and he sees what he thought were people, but they were trees. In other words, he didn't get his sight first time. Guess what? Jesus prays from a second time. And that's encouragement. You know, you pray and lay hands on someone the first time, nothing happens. If Jesus does it a second time, we can do it 70 times. That's why some of us are bald, because we're not listening to the, so many hands laid on us. That's a joke, but anyway. <laughs> so, so what does he do up there? Thanks, you can. He, he sees, but listen to what happens from here. Then again he laid his hands on his eyes, and he looked intently and was restored and began to see everything clearly. Wonderful. So by hearing and being led out of a situation that you're in, you get what you have never had before. As Kelly brought the word this morning about a new season. Yeah? Who changes? You do. Because when a season comes, when the fresh breeze blows you know there's a season change. And even though it may be naturally or geographically, what is it? You know you change your way you live. Why? You put on jerseys. You get warmer at night. You respond to what God's doing. If not, you get cold. And you don't enjoy the season. And so here, he takes him out of the situation he's in. Let me say this too. And we haven't got time because I'm, I'm just watching this. You've got a second service. In the Bible, it says, Woe to you, Chorazin Bethsaida. 
The miracles were brought to you and you did not repent. If Sodom and Gomorrah had heard the same message, they would have repented. So it's like a judgment comes on that town, Bethsaida, and woe to you, Chorazin, another town. So in other words, judgment came on a town because they did not believe the word and didn't receive the signs and wonders. Now, if that happened then, could it happen now? Yes, I do believe so. So why did Jesus take him out of Bethsaida? Because he'd already cursed that town. He says, I can't do things here. There's so much unbelief in this town. They didn't believe what I was doing. They didn't follow what I was saying. I'm taking you out of this environment and I'm taking you into the forest, into nowhere land, so that you can hear my word and get healed. But here comes a commission. So can I, can I say this? Have you ever been into a city that doesn't hear the word of God? You go in there and you preach. And it's like talking to a brick wall. It bounces back on you. And you look at the church and they're so dead. They're there, but they're not dead. They're like their bodies are there, but their hearts are over there. They're doing the thing, but they're not part of what the thing of God's doing. Their heart's not with you. You may murmur, but your lips are not where your heart is. You're dislocated. Mouth and heart are not in unison. And yes, that's what religion does when you don't respond to the seasons and the changes of God. And I tell you what, this nation has been soaked in prayer. Andrew Murray, um, I'm trying to think of a, a man down in KwaZulu-Natal, a Zulu man who lived in a cave and started prophesying and, and changing. They still talk about him. I've got his book on my library. I can't think of his name. A Zulu. He caused havoc down there. Um, down there with the churches. And they're still living on. There's still denominations left by this man. Then there's John G. Lake who came here. I mean, these men that have come and brought change to this nation. And when A.A. When Allen and William Branham came into this place. I know we're talking about American guys and so on. But I tell you what, the gospel came in. This nation has accepted and received this gospel. It's in history. There's, a, there's no cursing on this land. There's no curse of God upon this nation. That's why when people are so humble and sensitive, your last song you sang, sitting on the right hand of God, I could hear the volume behind me and the cry of the people in prayer afterwards. Why? Because there's a sensitivity of the Spirit of God here. The world looks at South Africa and says, you're in revival. We look at the world and say, really? You know, it's a horrible thing being in something and not knowing you're in that something. So it's encouragement. Here's the last verse. And he went, sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter the village. Now, you know, most times he, he says, okay, you can go home, but don't enter the village. So let's just read that again. So where is his home? It's in the village, right? So he says, I want you to go home, but don't go to the village. Um, Jesus, I love the way Jesus talks to us. Now, Bartimaeus stands up in front of Jesus. He's totally blind. There's another example. Totally blind. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Um, uh, look, I want you to open my eyes. And so he asks you, what do you want me to do for you? Why? Because, you know, when Jesus, he, opening eyes is not a problem. That's like easy. I can do that now. Anything else you want. And so often we limit God to our problem. When you can sort your problem out easily and give you way more because that's his economy. Bigger, better, more than. So he says, go home, don't go to your village. <clears throat> and he didn't go. He went home and he didn't go to the village. Why? 
Because the village to him previously was a little cell. Just, just you know, a way of life. Just walk five steps here, stop, listen, turn, walk here, tap, tap, tap with a stick. He was imprisoned in his own mind. So he said, I want you to go back. And what you see, what you used to live in is not your village anymore. You've got a bigger village. You've got a bigger vision. You've got a bigger horizon. You can see things differently. You're not limited by a natural defect. You have everything there. Why? Because God wants you to see what God wants to do. We, we limit ourselves and our world by what we think we can see. Can I say it this way? We are limited in our world by what education has taught us. Now, if you're an educator, bless you. But I tell you what, if they're a doctor, bless you. Because there is healing and there's revelation which challenges both of those which, which education has caused us to have educators. Thank God for them. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the intelligence to read. And thank you for medicine that keeps us healed so that we can carry on worshiping God. But there's more than. There's more than that. There's this faith. There's that leading by the hand. So here, what happened? He opened the eyes. He said that that prisoner was set free because he could see. Let's go to a captive, and then we'll end there and pray. A, a, a captive is found in Luke 13, verse 10. And he was teaching one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. I want you to notice the Sabbath. Uh, a good exercise is to look at where Jesus was. Look up the word Sabbath and find out what Jesus did on every Sabbath. That's why I get the verse or the understanding that Jesus, he picked a fight with the devil on the Sabbath. Because whatever he did, he healed the sick on the Sabbath. And in those days, the synagogues didn't like it because it was against the law. But Jesus came and he set the people free. And there was a woman who for 18 years had had sickness caused by a spirit, small s, and she was bent double and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her and said to her, woman, you're freed of your sickness. I want you to notice three things there. Number one, when Jesus saw her, it resulted in that he called her. Jesus, how does Jesus see people? How do we see people? We need to have a heavenly perspective of humanity, not a horizontal perspective of humanity. Let me put it this way. We need to have God's view of life rather than the church view of life. Let me put it this way. When you have a vertical revelation, you'll have a horizontal mission. Just three things there that can spin around in your head. When Jesus saw her, we say, well, that's Jesus. He saw her. No. When Jesus in you, you have a heavenly perspective because he always has a heavenly perspective. When you see people the way Jesus sees people, what do you do? You call them to you. Why? Because they were sick. They were bound up. They needed help. And so he called her over second. Thirdly, he said to her, notice, healing came by voice. Demons are spoken to by voice. What you say has power. Centurion said, just say the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus called that faith. We, the church needs to become 
unmuted. Put off the mute button. Become more vocal. Not just here in the streets. Tomorrow, Monday, in the streets. Vocal. He said to a woman, you are freed from your sickness. Now this is a, a sickness caused by a spirit. And Jesus says, you are freed of your sickness. You are freed from what the spirit has done to you. You are freed from that. In other words, he is set free. He said, your captive, your captor has been, been charged. And he laid his hands on her. That's the fourth thing. He laid, notice how he laid hands on all the time. And immediately she was made erect again and began glorifying God. The result of someone being healed is vertical. Thank you, Lord. Not thank you, Pastor. It's thank you, Lord. Amen. It's not the man of power. It's the power of man. But the synagogue official, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, began saying to the crowd. Notice, notice the, he, he was a crowd rouser. He was a, he was a politician. Oh, you guys, this is the Sabbath. Aren't we not supposed to heal on the Sabbath like this man? He's broken the law. Hey, don't you think so? Come on, come on. It's a real politician religion. And heal on the Sabbath began saying, there, were, there are six days in which work should be done. So come during them and get healed, not on the Sabbath. Hey, what is that saying? So healings work. Uh-huh. That's what he's saying, sir. No, no, you can worship God. You can sing. But when you come to ministry, that's work. I need to be paid for it. Hello. That oil from Jerusalem that some guys want you to put on you and charge you, I don't know, 500 bucks from oil from Jerusalem, that doesn't heal you. It's the word of God prayed over you that heals you. That's why he says, woman, you are set free. It's not coming, I get the oil from Jerusalem or the water that I got from Palestine or something. Yeah. Like some guys do. Yeah. I shared this down in, down in Plettenberg Bay and I said, that's it, not healed. They fell off their chairs laughing because their guys were in town were doing that. They probably came from those churches and suddenly you heard freedom. Freedom, prisoners set free, captive by certain methods. It's not the article that sets you free, it's the word of God. He said he sent his word, not the oil, not the water. That just is a reminder of what he has already done. So we need to come back to the power and the, the, this word of God that we have. Become a basic, sincere believer. Okay, I'm just, I'm going to try and stop here now. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites. Hallelujah, I love that. If someone's not practicing Christianity well, you can say, you hypocrite. Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> Does not each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to water him? In other words, hey, you guys, I know what you do. You synagogue officials, I know what you do. When it's lunchtime, siesta, when you sleep in the east, that's when they go and have a little sleep. You got to untie your ox and your donkey. You hope no one's looking and you take them down and you give them water. And they suck water and then you sneak back. Now that, that to them's work because you are working with an animal. Says, I know what you do. Don't you untie your ox and water and take them to water. Look what he says next. And this woman, a daughter of Abraham. Oh, ho, ho, ho. now that is war talk. And she is a woman whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, captivated her for 18 long years. Should she not have been released or untied from this bond on the Sabbath? There is a pure captive. She's been held captive. Should she not be set free? 
What he was saying is, hey guys, I know you're doing church, I know you're doing this thing, but when it comes to healing and setting the captive free, that's why the anointing of God's upon me. I've come to untie people from what they've been tied up in. I want you to hear what, um, if I got it here, the the Moffat Bible translation says, I have come to set the prisoners free so that they may forgive those who had offended them and that's held them captive. So when you are freed, you are forgiven. You turn around and you forgive. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, spirit, mind, body, everything. And when you got that right, then love your neighbor as yourself. You know the disease that's in our land is accusation, justification, self-promotion. That's what it is. It's the Garden of Eden symptom. I didn't do it. It's the woman you gave me. And she's looking at him and looking at the serpent. And she blames the serpent. You mean it's like blame game. Christianity is when you man up, friends. When you woman up. You say, yeah, I'm responsible. Forgive me. It's me. The buck stops here. I repent. Change my heart, Lord. Instead of turning around and blaming someone. I wasn't him. It was him. That's him. No, no, no. Come on. Christianity is that. Stop. That's a line. Why? You're set free. You know, when you walk through that gate out of the prison, out of captivity, someone else has done it for you. He set you free. You don't deserve it. It's absolute pure mercy flowing from heaven. The blood is on the mercy seat. Not of bulls and goats and oxen. Because that blood is only enough to get your body free. But the blood of Jesus gets your conscience free. The veil is rent. There's access to the boldest to enter the presence of God. That veil was rent when he breathed his last and said, It is finished. This thing tore in the religious sector. What's that mean? The Holy of Holies became visible to the whole world. You can have access to the presence of God, but you must come in in repentance, covered in the blood, And you can come in boldly. Every one of us can have access right into the presence of God by faith. Yeah. Sets you free totally. There's nothing that you have to do to change anything. You see, these guys thought they had to change everything. A daughter of Abraham. When was the gospel first ever preached? Preached to Abraham. Before Moses. Abraham by faith believed that he was going to have a son. And, he, and the angel took, this, took him out and said, you see those stars? That's how many sons you're going to have. That's us. We're one of those stars. Gentiles. Why? By faith, he set the precedent, the father of faith. What was impossible within him, impossible in Sarah. By faith through grace. Abraham's name means faith. Sarah's name means grace. By faith through grace, Isaac, joy. Joy. That's a, one of the fruit of life. And Christianity. So, just by those two things, I know that God, those two illustrations, there's more that I'm going to talk about on the next session. Very similar to this. But setting the captive free and becoming out of prison. Out of prison means you out of you come into salvation. Captive, the stuff that's been happening to you, friends, and your families. He can set you free. He has done that. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because. 
How's it this broke? The bondage, the yoke of the chains of bondage. One drop of blood severs chains. Just one, oh God, help me, severs chains. And I want to say to you, whatever that's been holding you captive, things that you've been suffering from all your life, things that you are doing, taking pills because of an anxiety problem within you, you're captive to a certain condition. You know what? The blood of Christ and coming to Him, accepting this word, changes you because you believe whom the Son says free is free indeed. And when that word comes, free indeed, it's a powerful word. It means you are free indeed like total freedom, the pure effect of freedom, embracing every kind of freedom. You are free indeed. In other words, there's nothing else that can go back. That's the power of this gospel. Amen? Now, I don't want to start shouting myself because I preached myself into a happiness. Because this power sets people free. There's someone in this room, you have a relative or you have a daughter or a son who's in another town who's in a serious condition. Is anyone here with that? They're in a serious condition in another town. Just put your hand up if that's you. You have a son or a daughter or a relative, close relative, close, in another town who's you have? Would you stand up, ma'am? Sir? Ma'am, sorry. Yeah. So, so which town is this? Is your relative in? Sorry? Bolokwani. You believe that God sends His word and heals them? It's a simple statement. He sent His word and healed them. Let's believe. What's wrong with your relative? A car accident. And he's in hospital, out of hospital, in hospital. So it's recently happened. Saturday. Critical or not critical? Critical. Okay. Let's just believe that this can change. Come on, we're going to take this gospel, believe it, walk on it, and see that this change. And please bring a testimony back. What's, your son, what's the person's name? Maduda, your cousin. Father, we just speak right now into that hospital room, into that intensive care, wherever it is. Whatever has happened to Maduda right now, we declare healing power to flow because you sent your word and heal them. Lord, send, we send the word by faith. You're not moved by space or time because you are forever in the present. Lord, we speak healing to him right now in the name of Jesus. Set him free. No longer to be captive by the fatal results of an accident. God, that he would be brought into perfect health to walk out of there into freedom again, to have joy in the future in this life. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Is there someone here who's got tremendous pain up in their top part of their chest, up in their lung area? I know it's a lung. It's not a breast. So it's a lung area. Anyone who's got pain there that's been going for a long time and uh, it, it, it affects your breathing? You do, sir? Anyone else? You too? I'd say there can normally more than two people. Would you stand up, please? I don't know what's caused that. I don't know what it is. But uh, during the worship, God, I just get this picture of people with a pain up on the left side at the top of the lung. Your lung has three lobes, I think. Doctors are here. I think there's three sections. And the, the lower one is the worst one to have a disease. And are you standing too, sir? Fantastic. I love the response. Anyone else? If you have a child with the same condition, would you stand on their behalf, parent? Not? Okay. Okay. The nearest person to you, nearest lady next to you, ma'am, would you come in? You can. You can lay hands on her. 
Just someone lay hands on you right up there in that area on the line. These are words of knowledge and you respond. And it means that God knows what the problem is. You know, he's busy running the universe, but he takes time to say, "Ah, I want to do this here. I want to touch you. Why? Because you are important. So, Lord, I thank you for healing in those areas right now. Lungs, be whole in Jesus' name. Sickness departs. Health, come. Set these captives free that they may breathe in these tabernacles of air in their bodies. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. It's done. Take a deep breath. Go for a run this afternoon. Go and play soccer. Whatever. Go shopping. Push a big cart around with tons of milk and water in it. Just, you know, prove God that he's true. Amen. So, anybody else sick in their bodies, would you just stand up? If you're sick in your bodies and you're having trust in God for healing. Thank you. Doesn't matter what it is. I haven't called out anything specific. Anyone here with a fatal disease like cancers or tumors? I know it might be a very personal thing, but is anyone like that with that sickness in their bodies? Because I love praying for you. You know what? When 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 cancers and tumors are around, it seems like it's the worst disease out. It's like whoa, that's a heavy weight. You know, Mike Tyson type thing. But you know what? The best way to attack the enemy is to take them out where it's the worst. Amen. And not shrink back from it, but just go. So you're a healthy congregation. Praise God. Man, be healed in Jesus' name. Whatever that thing is, we just call it sickness. Sickness, you are cursed at the very root. The axe of truth is laid at the root. Sickness, you'll not bear fruit of the symptoms of suffering. And as the leaves faded off the tree, when Jesus cursed that tree, so will the symptoms fade off you. Because the leaves are evidence of life. The symptoms are evidence of situation. You are cursed, therefore, those symptoms will cease and fade because of the power of the Word of God. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's just bow our heads quickly. You too, sir. Sorry. Sorry. I think you already know that you're healed. You're responding to God's power. You've heard about it. And so we just say to you, whatever it is, be healed. It's the power of God. You don't have to have a ceremony. You just need to believe. Many people are healed in their seats, even right now. You'll know in three days' time. We prayed for a man in, in Dubai. He was an Arab. Came to a meeting, an Arab meeting. Had to go through an Arab translator. He says, I can't talk. I've got something in my throat. I said, well, what's in your throat? He said, I've got a cancer. I said, Really? I said, okay, come, put my hands, we put our hands on his throat, prayed. He went home very disappointed. I've still got the thing, I thought it would be healed. He goes home the next day, he gets up, goes into the bathroom, starts cleaning his teeth, getting all ready, shaved, starts coughing. And as he's coughing, this big chunk of meat comes out of his throat, lands in the basin. He looks at this thing, and he begins to look in the mirror, and he looks at his blood all over his mouth, and he begins to start speaking. And starts talking normally. So he says, what's going on here? So he takes this piece of meat, puts it on a jar, takes it to the doctor, who has it tested with the oncologist. The oncologist says, that, was, that is cancer. Where did it come from? It came from my throat. The doctor says, there's no cancer in your throat. You see, it happened the next day. So it's just a little thing of laying hands on the sick and God does his work. 
The thing is, you've got to have the faith to believe it. And I know faith's in this room for that. We heard this testimony four years later. We go back over there and say, hey, hello, I've started a church. Remember you prayed for me? This thing came out, and now here I am. Look at the church. Here's the church. We're part of this church. An Arab church in Arab land, a Christian church. How does that happen? But God, God can do this, you see. He just needs one touch. Okay? You can smile if you want to. It's like this. <laughs> Come, let's stand. And let's just worship the Lord as we, as we go.